welcome to The Big Deal, where we unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and much more. Subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player and don't forget to sign up to www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Big Deal. I'm Jack Hudson and joining me as always is AFL legend Warren Treadray. Treaders, how are you mate? Hello, how are you, mate? We're uh, as we speak, we're halfway through an AFL draft, and God help us, this tonight is going to be as boring as hell. <laughs> it's it's a real grind, isn't it? Like last night wasn't too bad, like it's the early picks, but you're sitting there four hours waiting for your club to take someone at pick seventy-two who may very well never play again. Yeah, well, you know what? And on the other side of it, um, I never went through an AFL draft. I was part of concessions many years ago when Port got into the comp. But it's an exciting time for all these kids and families who effectively put all their eggs, not all their eggs, but some guys all their eggs. Uh, Other guys actually might, unlike myself, uh, be good in study um, (laughs) and got good year 12 uh, results. But yeah, it's an exciting time for families and heartbreaking for other people. So um, we get into it last night. There were no surprises. First overall pick by West Coast was Harley Reid, the Victorian country midfielder. How's this? He could earn nearly 300000 if he dominates the competition next year. Jeez, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind his start base rate, 130000 That's his base contract. And then Jeez. could uh, land a potential extra ninety two grand if he plays every game, so all the 23 games. Um, so he gets 4000 a match. So... Bear in mind, he's probably put with a host family too over in the West. Um, and yeah, geez, it adds up quick. You know, first to third year players are also eligible for performance incentives. 500, uh, f- sorry, not 500, 50,000 they win a Brownlow. You'd make 500 <laughs> if you do it in the first year, it'd be amazing. The only time <laughs> I remembered something crazy like that was Tim Duncan. Didn't Tim Duncan dominate the comp many years ago in his first year in the in the NBA? I know he won Rookie of the Year, but um, and now I think won the championship even though he might not have won MVP. But uh, if you look at if you follow sort of uh, Harry Sheasel's model, um, mm-hmm. you win a club B&F in your first year, you know, um, you could get an extra 40 grand, 30,000 if it's top three placing. Then you look on that, could be 30,000 for All-Australian, 20,000 for an All-Australian squad. So hypothetically, if uh, Reed and we're getting way here, yeah. we're putting the cart three Ks up in front of the horse here. Um <laughs> That if Reed was an All Australian, won a B and F, you know, he, he could push effectively push for um, you know two hundred ninety two thousand dollars for next year. So it adds up. Um, but as we know, under the CBA rules for the new AFL, um, the top twenty draft picks are locked into a mandatory three year contract, which was mm. previously two. So I think that's good for the clubs, and clubs can only renegotiate uh, this their second uh, deal, which is after the original three-year deal, after round six of their debut year. So, right. you know, you look for clubs to do that. West Coast would be crazy um, not to try and do that, to push him out another two years. And that's where you can really bump up their salary in year four and five. But I suspect if you're Harley Reid's management, you'd be sitting back holding and going, hey, why do we bother? Mm. Why not wait and let the runs on the board? Because the club's prices could go through the roof. And if you look at players in there, five, fifth year of their contract, you remember a Chris Judd, they're in an astronomical money that time because they're just dominating the play. But if we go down sort of a, a bit of a breakdown on the, uh, if you're picked between P6 
pick one and pick 10, which are the players last night. They get 130 grand base. 11 to 20, 120. Picks 21 to 50, 110. And then pick 51 on. Your six-figure salary, 105,000. Um, by 2027, those titles are ri- totals have risen by 20 grand each. So it adds up, as we said. Mm. Um, First-year player gets 4,000 a match. Second-year player gets 4,000 a match. Third-year player gets 5,000 a match. Um, and then you talk about all those statistics, um, bonuses that are are being offered. So um, you talk about the increases. You play zero games, 15 grand, which I find interesting. You don't get a game, but you get a bonus. Uh, <laughs> one to five, you get a $20,000 bonus. So this is all in that season. So not only can you talk about 4,000 a match, but if you play between six and 10 games for the year, that's 30 grand. Uh, 11 to 15 games for the season, extra $40,000 bonus. 16 to 17 games, 50,000 bonus. And if you get 18 uh, games and above, it's 60,000 bonus. So as we say, it sort of just adds up. Rising star, there's 20 grand on the top uh, of that there. Um, and then also club best and fairest and bits and pieces as well. So you talk about paydays and, and paydays in particular, uh, the young kids straight out of school, yeah, six-figure salary, lucky, lucky playing bastard. footy for a living. How good. Good on them. <laughs> not, not too bad. and. Oh, we're on the draft traders. Obviously, you would have welcomed a lot of people. We've heard the famous story with um, Alapate Carlisle filling you to go get go get stuffed. I'm Do you not have any sure, other... have we? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's well famous, but yeah, well, you... effectively, it was great. Um, Adelaide Test match used to be the draft um, generally, so we all go after the Test match after getting flogged for a week of preseason training, and then as a senior player or captain at the time, you ring the rookies, and I rang Alapate Carlisle. Um, to say, g'day, mate, Warren Treadra here. I want to welcome you to the club. He told me to F off and hung up. Thought it was one of his <laughs> mates. So I rang again. He did the same. Nice try, mate. You were just an F. We beep, hung up again. He was very sheepish on the Monday morning when he rocked up to uh, training uh, to apologise to the captain that he told him to F off twice, not once. <laughs> did, did, you, did it happen again Like from anybody else? Did anyone else have an interesting one? No, a lot of blokes were just nervous. And I still remember a young Travis Boak and a tra- young Robbie Gray coming and um, Robbie goes, oh, I'm Robbie Gray. You spoke me the other day. And I said, yeah, absolutely, Robbie. And I, to be honest, I had no idea which kid was which because I just walked in <laughs> and went, I knew I'd spoken to, but the names and pictures and, and I was like, uh, 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 yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but, yeah, that's all part of just the first initiation. And for the young kids who are welcome to the club, one, like a Robbie Gray is not sure if he's going to get drafted. Two, he gets drafted at Port Adelaide. You get phone calls from the coach, the captain, senior players, your manager. There's whirlwind happening. So there's a lot of players, particularly this morning, would be dealing with that, the top 10 picks. And then a lot of people very, very nervous uh, ahead of what lays ahead tonight. 100%. And speaking of Port Adelaide, um, Connor Rosie seems he's set to sign a mammoth deal. Um, seven years? Yeah, well... I said on Adelaide Radio on 5AA a few weeks ago that I'm hearing that Port will be close to, I heard, a minimum five, but I got some info on the last 24 hours to suggest it'll be a seven-year, potentially up to eight with triggers. So, what's he, 24? Mm, not even? That. Yeah, not even. Well, that, that's one club player stuff. And we've seen massive deals. We saw Norton signed a nine-year extension, wasn't it? An eight or a nine-year extension, nine-year deal. This... This was potentially, you know, as we say, it could be a seven, it's at least a seven-year deal. Um, both he and Zach Butters have got one year to go, um, but it could rise up to an eight. Not sure if it's an extension, but I did get told it was a seven or an eight, uh, depending on what's uh, what the triggers clause. So that's a, well, well into the 
ones, twos, threes, maybe keeps rising subject to, he's going to get his money up front guaranteed now. So, um, but I assume along the way, there's some triggers in there to say that if there's an underperformance or senior injury or, or something that maybe there, there might be some realistic expectations around it, but um, it's a bumper deal, but yes, anytime you're going to put your pen to paper on a seven to eight year extension, that's phenomenal. And, you know, if you talk about going on the risk, there's a risk element elemented with this because there is when you're putting it all into something, but the kid has been durable. The kid has been excellent. You know, runner up best and fairest all Australian last year, all Australian and won the best and fairest a team that's around the top four mark for the last few years. Um, it's a smart piece of the puzzle. And I suspect he'll be the next captain. Um, from whispers you hear, uh, taking over from the retired Tom Jonas. So that leaves the next target and probably the same target pot probably Port's working on would be Zach Butters. Um, if I'm Zach Butters, I'm sitting back going, do I want to commit to seven or eight years at a club being an interstate player? Um, I'm, well, I think he's got a year to go like Rosie. Um, I know Ken Hinckley is signed a two-year extension. I would, And I think... Top of mind, the Butters and Rosie eligible for free agency effectively three years' time. What I would be thinking on the outside is if I'm his management, I'm probably only doing a two-year extension to start with and then go from there. Yeah, so nervous times if Zach Butters is fronting up the free agency in a few years' time. But um, Well, yeah, there's no got- doubt. There's no doubt Port would have to be moving really quickly um, oh, yeah. to get Butters because... Yeah, he's as important as Rosie. But when you're a Victorian kid, you go to free agency, you probably go really, you know, by all reports, you're really happy where he is. Um, but the reality of the situation is, well, you also don't want to, Connor Rosie's a South Australian born, just got engaged, you know, obviously put roots down in South Australia, bought a house, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's probably a different proposition to maximise his income um, uh, ahead of free agency. You know, unless you want to accept a telephone number deal that, you know, Rosie's happy to do being a South Australian native. Um, mm. I think I'd I'd be sitting back going, well, I reckon it, it it's probably probably sense that you'd think he'd commit, but you wouldn't commit too long a term. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, sticking with South Australia, um, AFL joined forces with the uh, state government. We're going to provide a bit of a boost for um, community football traders. Yeah, eight million bucks, Jack. They're talking about, and this is all off that uh, deal with Gather Round. Mm. So it's dollar for dollar. So whether it's four from the South Australian government and, and you're talking about the Sanford of Bride, that money, is that via the AFL? Well, yeah, it's all that part of that community initiative to you know, upgrade facilities. We talked about it last week where Gather Round was announced for 2024, but it didn't include the Barossa, um, mm. your end of town. Um, but I suspect that this is all part of the upgrading the facilities going forward. Yeah, get us some Tananda Oval, please, next year. Love of Be God. nice. Very yes, nice. would be very nice. Um, and Josh Dacos. So he travelled across to the UK and visited Big Ange, his um, Spurs, which, poor bloke. Um, but he was shocked to see the disparity between what uh, the Premier League boys get, what the AFL football was getting. It was like, boy, some of these blokes are making your wage in one week. Yeah, well, this was... It's a little bit tone deaf, I reckon. Like, I, mm. I, I love Dacos boys. Um, met their father many, many years ago. Uh, I know Choco tried to actually recruit him to Port Adelaide's assistant coach when he first started out in 1999. Would have been amazing. Learned those Hello. dribble kicks back then. 
as opposed to we were just trying to kick checks out or bananas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Josh obviously travelled with his partner, went over and saw Ange at um, Tottenham. His quote is talking about can't believe the money they spend per day to heat the field. We don't have any of that in Melbourne. Well, you don't, mate, because Melbourne doesn't snow in the centre of town. Well, if it does, it's probably once in a hundred years. They get it regularly. Um, they play in um, um, minus conditions. Um, mm freezing cold, snow in some games. Um, and that's just the disparity. But the difference and the reality of the situation is the AFL is the biggest game in Australia. Mm. Um, Soccer is the biggest game in the world. And even in Australia, it's the biggest game in Victoria. It's the biggest game in Northern Territory, the biggest game in South Australia, Tasmania and Western Australia. It's not the biggest game in Queensland or New South Wales. So I think, yeah, some of these situations... He, yeah, I don't know how seriously it was taken, but yeah, this could be a situation of to- taken totally out of context by the journo, or just dropped his guard a little bit and just, yeah, is he envious? Yeah, but we don't get any of this. It comes across the way it's pitched that it's it's a little bit of sour grapes, but certainly not. You know, Dacos signs a bumper extension. He's on significant money to play a game you love, but you're never going to compare it to football. And the world game because it is a world game and it brings in billions upon billions upon trillions of dollars. Mm. Not our broadcast rights over seven years get billions of dollars. Yeah, that heat up the MCG. That's what's got to happen apparently. Um, Cricket World Cup, we won. Yeah, we won, and we pocket six million bucks for winning it too. Jeez. So um, on top of that, four hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred for the seven group wins we had. India lands three million dollars for losing the final. Uh, South Africa, New Zealand get $1.216 million for finishing third and fourth, respectively. So, great effort, great effort by Travis Head. Mm, um, talk about a bloke who couldn't uh, get a game in India, remember, for that first test after yeah. playing great in the Australian summer, um, yeah, probably about nine months ago or so, and then gets dropped for the first test and then dominates, and then he's dominated over there again, even though they tried to doctor the pitch to be a second day or second old, well, fifth day wicket. Um, but yeah, took an amazing catch and absolutely dominated. But uh, the boys will be in the money. And of that $6 million, the players are probably keeping half of it um, mm. as their share of revenue. Yeah, well, there's a good, good few photos out of uh, the weekend. Travi boy uh, is having a grand, grand old time. <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say that this is the time that his sponsors are probably going, just don't do anything really stupid. Yeah. All he does uh, is look a bit under the weather at the moment. Uh, Trav's a good boy. Um, head to the rugby league. Um, Benji Marshall is uh, going for some big boys, Shredders. He's having a crack at Jerome Luai, who's an absolute superstar of the game with Penrith. He's won the last three premierships um, with Penrith. And um, this is the problem that, you know, when they've got Ivan Cleary, they've got all these different guys. Um, you know, they've got the best system. They've got the best junior system. They've got the best list. At some stage, your salary cap's going to pop. So um, the challenge they're going to face is trying to get him. And, you know, when he's won the last three Premierships, he plays for New South Wales. He's a superstar of the comp. The reality is, I think Penrith's Powerbroke is a table day deal for two years for 1.7 million. Um, really good money, but under market. And as we know, um, the Tigers are battling. You know, they've effectively finished bottom, I think, the last two years. Um, they can pay a lot of money. So effectively, if Luai wants to take the cash, he's going to go to the back to back wooden spooners. Or he takes less money, um, and he continues on his um, barnstorming run of three potential, looking at a fourth premiership in a row with the Panthers. So, 
Um, Nathan Cleary is the superstar. Ivan Cleary, the coach. You know, you go through all the different levels. Um, you know, Panthers are obviously hopeful that he'll make a decision before Christmas, but with a salary cap space set aside for his retention. So it, it comes back to culture and performance and winning and paying well or rebuild something, be the big figurehead and cash in. I know what I'd be taking. Success beats money any day. Yeah, keep 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 winning flags. Um, exactly. Rugby Australia, that this is just becoming just a complete mess, isn't it, Treaders? Um, the chairman's gone, sacked. Yeah, well, this was, um, and this is all off the back of state unions are fighting over, you know, the major centralisation plans for the sport. So McLennan pretty much said, well, no, uh, called the six rebellious state unions to resign by 5 p.m. Sunday. He said, no, I'm not doing that. But um, before a general meeting, he was voted out and he'll be replaced by former Wallaby Dan Herbert. But the, the challenge here is he had the support for um, uh, New South from New South Wales, which is a big backer, I think also to Victoria, but also to um, Andrew Forrest, who uh, owns the Western um, Force Licence. So you go, well, when Twiggy Forrest backs you, you think you're safe. But I think the reality is questions came in, the decision on appointing Eddie Jones, decision-making of recruiting, then chasing big-money recruits from uh, the um, rugby league, which haven't worked out, then also more they had to tear up. I think they need a clean slate. They need to start again and need to look like they're a line brand and a line game and get themselves back in order. Absolutely. Um, big news this week, um, Pickstaff. Um, they merged with uh, W Sports Media. So, yeah, run us through this deal, Treaders. Well, effectively, W Sports Media um, is a, a management group. They look after Leighton Hewitt, Alex Carey, Isaac Rankin, who's involved in AFL, obviously played with the Crows. And Pickstar um, is uh, owned by uh, former AFL star Matthew Pavlich and James Begler, who founded Pickstar and Vlast, which is a uh, booking agency, effectively, that you know Cricket Australia and the AFL used for their player-based appearances to keep track of them. Back in my day, mate, they said, have you done your 20? Yeah, yeah, we've done our 20. Now they actually keep track of them. <laughs> um, so it's effectively a tech company joined up with a management group. Um, obviously, the upside to the management group is they get access into this tech company. Um, and then the other side is the um, the tech company gets access to uh, talent in terms of player management talent, where the things are going. So this is an interesting topic going forward and, and no doubt by bringing both ahead that the valuation for the businesses continue to rise. Yep, mate, good news for all around. Um, speaking of good news, Las Vegas. It actually worked, although there was a few crashes, a few potholes, a bit going on. Yeah, this is... It's sort of a bit of everything, wasn't it? It was bad mm. PR when they had um, some of the... Uh, what the race kicks off at 10 p.m. in the dark. Obviously, Vegas is not so great during the day. You need it at night, absolutely. The sphere looked amazing with the branding. Their smart access to owning that space for the period of time was great, for both from inside and out. Obviously, you two put on hold and saying, go away for a couple of weeks um, while we uh, relieve you from your um, your residency there. Um, but I think from the back of it, you know, Verstappen was bashing it early, clearly a pothole. Um, didn't help in the main um, on the main uh, track. They repaired that quickly. You talk about the times. They said the heat. It was an issue. Um, Verstappen likened it, I think, anything to a computer game. Yeah, there's no real soul. But afterwards, he won. He said it was really quick. It was scary. It was vibrant. He loved it. So when Verstappen wins, securing his 18th win of a record-breaking season, uh, and this is an interesting beacon. It has a, a uh, second place, uh, Sergio Perez. 
uh, finished second in the Drivers' Championship behind Verstappen. So that's a one-two. I think it's the first time Red Bull's done that uh, yet. So by Perro's going so well, that would su- suggest that Danny Ricciardo won't be stepping up, which was speculated to a Red Bull um, for 2024. So that's good news for um, for Red Bull there. But yeah, you, you talk about the game outside of the game. Hundreds of private jets headed to Sin City. Um, all local airports were fully booked out. Each plane cost between fifteen hundred and seven and a half thousand a night to store at Henderson's Airport. Uh, and this is the thing: they even built an extra, um, uh, built eighteen extra acres of parking for the jets. So that says to <laughs> it's amazing. And even when the players are, uh, sorry, the drivers are saying this is absolutely amazing, speaking to the principals or the the owners uh, who effectively run the teams, they were saying it was amazing. I watched it back um, and watched it, and I thought it was a, a really good event. I think it will only add to the F1 calendar. And if you look at Liberty Media, who who run this, I, I think what they've done has been unbelievable. You know, you talk about what they did on bringing in Netflix and bringing Netflix behind the scenes of F1s. F1s, as they said, under the Eccleston era, was starting to slowly die. Um, you know, in terms of viewership interest, um, now it's at record highs. They're now just pulled off a, a Vegas Grand Prix with a stadium built on the strip. Um, and, you know, pits that are going to be there 24-7, very much like Miami. Not not a situation of the old Adelaide Grand Prix or Melbourne Grand Prix where it gets put up, pulled down every year. This is there to stay. I think it'll only be better going forward. And I think it looked like a phenomenal event and I would just love to have been there. Absolutely. I'd love to have been there on the yeah. strip watching some cars go vroom, vroom. Everton, they're um, had a bit of strife. Um, topped a 10-point whack from the Premier League, which is the first time in um, over a decade that the Premier League's handed out a point deduction. So, But, yeah, they've been done for violations of the profitability and sustainability rules, which is formerly known as uh, financial fair play, which is one of the biggest farces in the world. But thoughts, Treaders? Well, I think it's just picking on a, a lowly, and when I don't mean to disrespect Everton, but they were a big club in the eighties and early nineties. But mm. obviously, the the war chest, you know, the money game, deep pocket city is where it's at now. And and this is the largest point deduction in league history, and the first since Portsmouth were deducted points for entering administration into 2009-2010. And we know what Portsmouth did when wall in. I think an oligarch owned them. They end up winning an FA Cup. Had a mm. phenomenal team. Um, you know, you look at uh, got C- Campbell from Arsenal. They got Carnu. They got you know they got some amazing players, um, and they won a title. But then you can't balance the books. That's what hurts it. But an independent commissioner hired by the Premier League found Everton lost 155 million US dollars in a period ending the 2021-22 season. So. Under these rules, clubs are only allowed to record losses of 130 million, 130.8 million in that time. So, but but that's what I get. Yeah, and there's some other reasons about you know infrastructure costs going up and bits and pieces. So you shoot Everton, and and I don't think any team has survived after having a points deduction. We know they survived last year where they sacked. Mm. Um, I think they Frank Lampard. Yeah, Frank Lampard went. Yeah, and then Sean Dyche uh, came in. Sean yep. Dyche come in. He kept them above, which was probably worth hundred million alone to keep them up mm. um, in the in the top flight. But I'm just not sure how how they're going to survive. And this is the bit I do question: is when there's questions around Chelsea and how they're selling deals, you know, players who haven't performed and values have dropped for premiums to Saudi Arabia. That needs to be investigated. Manchester City, who's got how many charges? 17 charges or something ridiculous? I think it's 117. I was only staring you. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, what are we talking about? 
and this is where I struggle with, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Gunners fan, but if you're going to implement financial fair play, let's actually implement it. Let's not, not shoot a, you know, a sitting duck in Everton. Mm. Let's look at the whole thing because if Everton's got to cop a 10-point deduction and Man U are going to cop a tenth of a penalty of what they're charged with, mate, they might get sent to fifth division. Mm. Yep. It makes no sense. Yeah, no, take City of take the points off City from last season, that'd be nice. Um, and then give the title to second. Yeah, that'd that mean out. a lot to us twelve months on. Hey, I'd still celebrate it. Yeah. Um speaking soccer, Lionel Messi. Um obviously we've gone on and on about how much of success he's been in the US, but one more than one million people per match tuned in to watch Messi. So how wild is that? Yeah, well that's what they were actually saying was actually for the comp. Yeah, for the whole year, only one million yeah. when people turn by Apple. Yeah, yeah. So that's how many people Apple have cashed in on, mm. and in return, we know the deal with Messi is not just to play, but it's also a cut of all the revenue with that increase. Well, if you've gone from one million per year to one million per match, I think Lionel Messi's doing okay. Inter Miami is predicting revenue of two hundred million uh, US dollars in twenty twenty four, which he gets a cut of as well. So, yeah, I think that's yeah, he's got pulling power. He just won the Ballon d'Or for how many of the time? Seventh, eighth? Can't remember. Too many. Uh, Why don't you just get greedy and go to 10? But, you know, when you perform in a World Cup like he does and he's cashed into the perfect time to bring American soccer alive, um, even more so as it was, David Beckham cashed in. Uh, it's worked out very, very well for all. I wonder what he does with the trophies. Just using like a doorstop or something. Just there's your Ballon d'Or, just holding the door open. <laughs> well, he's probably he's probably got more than eight doors, though. Yeah, I'd... I, I'd say so. I don't yeah. think he'd open them himself. Now, we get into the fun side of things that we do at the end of the pod now. Um, LaMelo Ball, this is an interesting one. He's The NBA is forcing him to cover up a tattoo below his left ear, which the league says violates rules against exposing commercial logos on players' bodies. Now, Treaders, did you ever thought about maybe like getting a Vodafone tattoo like across your forehead, like while you played for Port or Scott's Transport? Like, what was the well, I thought Matty Primus was once actually going to be signed to Primus Telecommunications back in the day, but <laughs> being Vodafone's major sponsor, Port Adelaide at the time, they put a stop to that. Um, but Matty loves a dollar, so he would have definitely done that. Um, <laughs> but this is what I find really interesting on this one. So Lamello Ball has got his initials LF tattooed on his body, right? On his mm. neck. Um, so in short for La France, which is his middle name. And now he's got a clothing brand, which he started. Mm. So instead of it being your initials, because you've started a commercial property and clothing brand, that's in breach of the policies of the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously that. the sceptics of the NBA are going, oh, he only got that tattoo there so he can start his own brand and we can't take it off him. Well, it's, uh, yeah, they've made him cover it up for the last couple of games. Um and last week's game against Miami to avoid any league fines. So the and the word is there are ongoing discussions about coming to a um, resolution. Oh, that that's good. I'm glad that's happening. Yeah. Now it's called laser removal. Laser, <laughs> laser removal. There you go. Get that tattooed on him. Now, Treaders, um, young crows drafting last night. Well, Dan, Dan Curtin. Like he's he's already already a household name. Dan Curtin. He's not Dan a household Curtin. name. He's a household. Name. He's like, is he the kid from Western Australia? Yes. Yes, the kid from Western Australia. Best yes, defender in the game, they reckon. Yep, household name, mate. For an under 18. Yep, best household. So, household name straight away. Joining 
such names Who? like Paul Couch, another oh, household Brown, name. Brownlow medalist. Yeah, Paul Couch. Robert Walls. He's a premiership player. Yeah, household name. Harry Lamp. What are you Ar- doing? Arnie Bench. Jim yeah. Kettle. Stephen McBroom. You idiot. <laughs> Jared Irons. Joshua Kitchen. What, you want to go with Robbie, Robbie Armat next? Yeah, he's there. Robbie Armat, Matthew Armat as well. And uh, Peter Light. So, <laughs> household name, mate. You're an idiot. <laughs> I think we'll leave it there. Thanks I think to, you should. Thanks to useless AFL stats for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, that's what you got for me. Yeah. How wow. So, a kid called Dan Curtin now is a household name because his last name's a Curtin. Yep. Oh, he's last, and he's Paul's last a couch, and Robert's got walls, and Robbie's got an arm at. Yep. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, You've got a cop to Stephen McBroom. We're out of here. <laughs> I think that wraps it up. So thanks for joining us this week. Like, comment, subscribe if you want after that. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Big Deal. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.